Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. We're in with me, Bram, with me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? And my boy and producer, MT. What's up, Nation? Gentlemen, I am excited to announce the rejoining us after hell of long, the sports director for Cron4, a sports anchor with experience in multiple markets, including North Dakota, Louisiana, and Maryland. A luminary voice on all things Warriors and one of the only guys in the Bay Area who will be rooting for the Eagles this weekend, Mr. Jason Dumas. <laughs> What's going on, Jay? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me again. Of course, dude. Uh, you can get a sense of where I am psychologically that in your intro, I opted for a football reference as opposed to anything about that Sackdale game, dude. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it was a brutal one. I was in the building. It was an amazing atmosphere there at the Go to One Center. Um, obviously, it was a pro pro Kings crowd, but with the it being so close to the Bay, you still got a lot of Warriors fans. So there was enough Warriors fans there that uh, you heard a lot of cheering every time the Warriors scored a bucket. It was just a great atmosphere, you know, the playoff, the in season playoff thing going on, and you know. Uh, it wasn't, you know, like I it, the vitriol got a little too much last year during the playoffs, uh, in my opinion. Like sometimes people just need to chill out and remember these are all human beings down there on the court. But like yesterday, last night, or, you know, I should say on Tuesday night, depending when you hear hear this podcast, uh, it was just great, great vibes like even the booing was all in good faith and you didn't hear the personal insults you didn't see the draymond green is a bitch shirt like <laughs> it was just it was just a fun sporting event but warriors came out on the uh wrong end of it i mean i'm just happy that you didn't have a live feed into my living room you would not be talking about good vibes or <laughs> anything else a a quick glimpse and i was not even gonna mention this but i will now i literally sat in a dark living room for 20 minutes after that game i don't even know why i can't like justify it in any way it's not like it helped me get through any feelings it was just ugly and some of the things i said about malik monk i feel bad about now but uh -huh. I mean, we, don't, we don't have to repeat them boys let's jump in so we might be on the other side of the worst regular season loss during the dynastic era, but you guys don't have to agree with me on that. Let's do glass half full, all right? Look back and give me something good or bad, either from last night or you can range either further. Um, and Jay, we haven't heard from you for a while. Why don't you take this one first? Glass half full. If we're taking it from Tuesday's game, Clay and Clay looked solid. 
Wiggins look good and Moody look good. Those are the positives you can take. So you can build on that. Uh, but th- that's about it, you know, and and that's just one of those positives where you're like, hopefully they can build off it. There was no like finality to it where you're like, oh, this is what we're going to see moving forward because would you be surprised if Wiggins laid an egg on Thursday against the Clippers or, or Clay? So you need to see a prolonged stretch of that those type of games, but at least you got the first one. <laughs> I'll take it. MT, we haven't heard from you, man. What do you think? Um, glass half full. I mean, I echo what, what Jay said. So to, to add to it, I think I was encouraged by Clay's defense. Um, I think it's underappreciated that he's been asked to guard fours, and that's not normally what he does, and he's coming off two pretty big injuries. So um, he had a moment where he had a block in the game, and I think once his defense gets a little bit stronger, that'll help with his offense. Um, half empty, I just uh, – the fouling. I mean, I know we'll probably get into referees and um, our thoughts on that, but 20 free throws in a quarter is just too many. Like the refs at some point either have to balance it out, swallow the whistle, or – stop calling soft fouls because it was there were some pretty soft ones going on and it's just it's frustrating for it to continue to happen to our team i'm sure other teams feel the same way uh, i mean let's see i've got a big glass half full but to get there i got to go through an even bigger glass half empty all right so last night looking at it it almost felt as if the warriors had a list of all the things we were worried about going into the season or have become worried about throughout the season and then just hit each and every one of them, right? Uh, bad fouls, dumb turnovers. First team, first team in at least 20 years who had more than 20 turnovers and gave up more than 40 fouls. That was what they told us during the, the offseason, going into training camp. This is what we need to fix. Immediately happened last night. Uh, Draymond letting his emotions go too big. Kerr refusing to change his rotations. Clay seemingly getting lost in his emotions. CP3 getting fucking hurt. GP2 tearing his calf. Every the uh, Warriors championship core not being able to close out a younger team, all of the things we worried about happened. All right, glass half empty, glass half full, despite everything we worried about, all of those things, everything I just told you, and them playing one of the go to young and upcoming fast teams. It's not that they got outclassed, it's not that they got out talented, it's not even that they got beaten, they lost that fucking game. So, glass half full. Even when they're doing everything wrong, they still should have beaten Sacramento. Now, I'm I'm furious, terrible loss, and terrible loss of GP2, but I think there's different ways we can look at this. Maxime, am I being crazy? Is is that an unfair thing to say? No, I, I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree. That's kind of where I was going to go with the glass half full, glass half empty. It's a tale of two halves. Um, it is concerning that it was the second half where things fell apart, especially if people are going to point the finger at age you know, I mean, if, if Clay Thompson is going over one in the fourth quarter, it's pretty easy to say, oh, that's probably because he's tired. But they said on the broadcast, it looked like vintage warriors in the first half. We're capable of stringing these things together. Let's just see if we can hold on to it a little bit longer. And the other thing that's concerning is we now know about Gary Payton um, being sidelined indefinitely, but we don't know about Chris Paul yet. And, you know, these are the concerns, right? These are exactly the things that we're pointing at uh, that, that could derail our whole season. Jay, when you said you were in the building last night, one of the things that struck me, right? So I mentioned Draymond letting the emotions get him. And a storyline that came out last night is that when Draymond's tech happened in the fourth, that was the thing that energized the building. And then when the building got energized, that's what energized the Kings. 
you were there. Uh, did you agree with that? I mean, did it feel like the the tech was a jump off point? No, it energized the crowd for sure, and they they let Draymond have it, but. I don't think that was like the turning point of the game and why the Kings made this furious comeback. Uh, I think there were some coaching bluffs. Uh, obviously, the two major turnovers at the way end of the game. Like if Stefan, who was that, Draymond, who turned that ball over, it was it was miscommunication. I actually think even though Draymond gets credited with that turnover, I think it was Clay's fault because Clay started to like do that back cut, backdoor yeah. cut, and then just yeah. stopped. Like, keep going. You actually had an open path on that backdoor cut. Keep going. Uh, so, obviously, Dre gets credited with it, but I kind of think that was Clay's, mm. fault, Clay's fault. But if those two turnovers didn't happen at the end of the game, we're not even talking like this. So, that, that's really – you can't – and they can't they've, – they've gotten back to that team that we saw last year and even parts of the championship year where they're just incapable of playing defense without fouling. And that ju that just adds up. It's hard to win when you're putting people on the foul line and you're constantly in the penalty and you have guys in foul trouble. It's just it's just really tough to win. So I think those were the two main reasons why they lost. Can't can't play defense without fouling and those those costly turnovers. And there's some hubris associated with that too, man. They used to be good enough where it didn't matter, right? You could right. you could play games with both They're sides not, of the ball. It's not like that anymore. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and hopefully that's what they learned. But we go back to they learned that going into this season. That was the goal of the the uh, training camp. And yet and still here we are. Uh, another follow up on something you said earlier. So Philly is credited with having the uh, most passionate fans, let's say. You know, the example we always hear is that they booed the shit out of Santa Claus. <laughs> you also mentioned that you were at, you know, the Kings Warriors have this vitriol. How does the hate in either Chase or Goldman One compare to what happens at the Link in Philly? Like, is there any comparison of the, of the two areas or not really? No, because I think football is way more intense. Just fan bases in football are more intense than fan bases in basketball. Uh, so I would I would actually compare it more to the Sixers, um, their home crowd, which, you know, they can get on you, too, because they're those same people who, quote unquote, boost Santa. Um, I, I actually think I mean, it's been a while since I've gone to Sixers games regularly, obviously. Um, it can get intense when they play the Celtics, of course, the Bucks, Celtics mainly. But you know what? I I think the I think the Kings Warriors rivalry tops any rivalry that the Sixers are in the midst of right now. Possibly hold the Celtics, but it's just something about this Kings. I think it's because the Kings have the little brother syndrome. You know, they're what ninety minutes to two hours like east of the Bay Area and the Bay Area gets all the headlines and the Warriors have the team that's won all the championships. And, you know, so the Kings, that makes the Kings sensitive, their fan base, and it's clear. But now they have a team that can compete with the Warriors. And, uh, you know, so that just made it really good because this is the first time they've really been good together. You know, yep. when the Kings were really good with Peja and Vladi and C-Reb and all of them, Warriors weren't that great. When the Warriors were winning championships, the Kings were the worst franchise in basketball. Yep. Now they're both good. Now the Kings prop finally have something to pump their chest about, and, and they're doing it. And, you know, Bay Area fans still little brother them, like, relax. So 
it makes for a really good rivalry. So I actually think their rivalry tops anything the Sixers have. The only arguable one would be the Celtics because Celtics pretty much end a Sixers season early every single year. It's that big brother, little brother thing that made last night hurt as badly as it did. You know, I mean, like, I I love the idea at at halftime or right before their seven point run going into halftime. It felt like they were not only going to win, that they're not only going to win by more than the 12 they needed to, to, you know, get into the play in um, knockout round, but that they were going to just completely solidify. We do not care about your young talent, Sacto. We will always own you. And then it went the exact, just the exact opposite way. Um, last overarching question just about Sacramento. MT, how hard did you take it? You, you like these, did, did it, were you able to get over it or did it, were you still upset while thinking about it this morning? Uh, I wasn't upset this morning. I was, I didn't take it well last night right after it. <laughs> um, it was pretty deflating, but I don't, I still think the overreaction, there's too much overreaction to it. Like Charles Barkley's going to hate. He's always going to say the Warriors are cooked. He's, he was saying that when we were winning the championship and he was like, they're never winning as we're winning it. Um, you know, Kendrick Perkins and everybody else will say that too. But to me, this last year's last season's loss in Utah hit harder than this one did for me. Um, just because at the end, we just somehow lost it. Um, just because I don't think it's I, – I still believe in this team regressing to the mean and to our averages. Clay's not going to shoot this terrible. We always say he starts off bad. He, start, he started off, you know, particularly bad this season, but he's going to get better. He's, you know, he's too good of a shooter for him to continue to shoot sub 40% from the field. Um, and, you know, I just – I don't think Steph and Draymond make those two costly turnovers. To Jay's point, if – if those don't happen, we're not having this conversation. We're just talking about how we missed the play-in, but we still own this, the Kings and, and this rivalry. So, um, you know, in a seven-game series, I don't think Steph throws that ill-advised pass, and I think Clay continues to the baseline, and he hits a three, and, and we're, we're coming out victorious. So I think it's this overreaction, but it makes sense because, you know, like it's a thing to talk about. We're, we're not talented enough just to skate by on – being more talented than the other team. Now we have to execute and we're we're not good at executing. I'll disagree a little bit there. I mean, it's not the first bullet point. It's probably not even the first five, but somewhere on Steph's resume, ill-advised pass definitely appears. Definitely, <laughs> definitely appears. I mean, he seems to fucking specialize in that. Did anybody think that they weren't going to turn it over when he had the ball and got double teamed? It felt like it was a guarantee. As they, it they were definitely missing Chris Paul because remember the whole, one of the main reasons to get Chris Paul and the rationale that Mike used and that Steve used as we need a guy to be a calming presence. We need somebody. We we can't turn the ball over. Steve said exactly what you said before, B, when I interviewed him uh, right before the season. We're not good enough to take such little care of the ball. And Chris Paul has one of the best assist to turnover ratios in NBA history. He's a calming presence. We can really use that because last year was a little too chaotic. That's yeah. those were Steve's words when we chatted before the season. Uh, and I mean, he he's right. I can't see kind of that meltdown happening, even like when Draymond was going nuts, like, and he got that tech, and then the the frustration foul. Like, who knows if that even happens if Chris Paul is 
sure. on the court to be like, Dre, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> Seriously, like we saw him do that earlier oh, yes. this year. I can't remember what game, but I even tweeted like that's actually the first time I've seen one of Draymond's teammates successfully get him to shut up. Yeah. Like that's Chris Paul. That's who he is. So they missed him down the stretch. You know, that's kind of just always he's a common presence. And, you know, uh, hopefully he's not out for too long because I actually think Chris, even though he probably hasn't shot it, I don't know the numbers and all. I'm not like super, super stats guy, but I'm sure he's shot it better in other seasons. He hasn't been shooting it that well, but I still think he's been pretty good this year for what it's worth and using context. Um, so they could have used him last night and hopefully he's okay going forward. We know GP2 might not even play again this season. I mean, if you had to hand pick a perfect example of why CP3 is such a great addition, it's last night's 50 seconds. You know, I mean, that's it's exactly as you said. You are on the money with it. And I tell you what, let's use it as a transition. All right. So normally we'd go to our golden questions. Jay, you remember that as our mailbag. But I'm going to switch that a little bit. And instead of doing golden questions, we're going to call this hard questions, both because I couldn't come up with a better title. And I've been thinking on it all fucking day and came up with nothing. And also because it seems like there's the same questions that get thrown out every time there's a panicking loss, so we might as well address them. Yeah, here's the first, and it's the one that you will hear talked about everywhere. Should Clay Thompson be moved to the bench? And so I think this is actually two different questions. All right, the first is, can he handle a demotion psychologically, and does that matter? Jay, I want your response, but before Maxime, if we've got that uh, clip. Let's play it. This is Clay Thompson before last night, but it's when he basically next questioned Tim Kawakami in response to a uh, to an inquiry about whether or not he should come off the bench. Let's go ahead and play it. Uh, believing in his guys, especially the starting lineup, won championship not too long ago. Having patience, letting guys kind of you know find their game. How aware are you of that kind of patience, and or in how much do you know do you value it? <laughs> What do you, you want me to bench me? No, no, no. It's like that's you bench some, wigs. <laughs> you I don't think us? I said that. Okay. I mean, you can suggest it. It's fine. But I mean, thanks, Steve, I guess. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you earn these things like patience and time to find yourself. And I think history will, uh, is on our side when it comes to that stuff. You say that. Do you, have you heard people say that or? Is, no, I don't care what people say. Like, <laughs> They don't do what we do. They can't do what they do. That's why they talk. Why would I? Like, come on. I don't care what people say. This point in my life. Next question. I've watched that clip now, I don't know, five times. Every time it emotionally damages me, I hate it. I don't think I have ever heard anybody say, I don't care what people say without immediately thinking, oh, you really care what people say all right like, i'm not mad i'm not mad exactly dude that's exactly right the i mean it's like it's one of those opposite like, uh, sad in any way and then you're sobbing um so we go back to the question jay if they uh put him to the bench not should they if they did do you think clay could handle it psychologically no i think they would lose him uh i think but that that draws like questions based off of that like yep all right, if they lose him, like, what kind of person is he? Is his ego, like, too big? Like, that, then you start to ask yourself other questions. But look, man, there's a reason. In the last two years, Steph has come off the bench. Draymond Green has come off the bench. Chris Paul has come off the bench. 
Looney, obviously. Has Wiggins? I'm not even sure. Has Wiggins come off the bench? I'm sure at some point. I don't remember, yeah. but I'm sure. I don't remember Wiggs, but those other four have for a fact come off the bench. In fact, Steph came off the bench when he didn't have to because he wanted to he wanted Jordan Poole more engaged. Yep. And Draymond came off the bench because he got himself suspended and the game he was suspended in a playoff series they won with him not being there. He comes in the locker room after the game and says, "Yo, I want to come off the bench next. I don't want to interrupt what we got going on right now." Like those those are what leaders do and what people who are self-aware do. Yep. I don't think Clay possesses that level of self-awareness. I don't think Clay possesses that level of selflessness either. I just don't think he does. So sometimes, you know, I know Clay's a fan favorite here and I get why it's pretty obvious, but I think people have to start asking that question. These other guys are willing to do things like that. And Clay doesn't seem like he is willing to do that. What does that really make Clay? I mean, fuck, dude. Add two names: David Lee and Andre Iguodala. You know, yeah. um, I mean that this this dynastic run has been defined by sacrifice. You know, so you are on the money. Um, I'll add a little bit of a distinction: one that shouldn't matter, but a little bit of a distinction. All those other guys didn't play, and then the fan base didn't demand that they get benched. Right. It was yeah. decisions that was made behind the scenes, and then we kind of saw its upside. So this is a little bit different. Um, but I, I think you are a hundred percent right. I also think that they need to set up a room where CP3, Steph, Draymond, uh, Damian Lee, or not Damian Lee, David Lee and Andre Iguodala are all, all waiting there for Clay and let him know, you know, like, look, dude, like this, if, if you have to make a transition like this, it doesn't mean you're not succeeding. It just means you are now a part of a very long list of people who have made this switch. Um, MT, take the next portion of this question. All right. Should they bench him? Let's assume that he can psychologically handle it. And again, I agree with Jay. I don't think they can. And I think that's why Moody didn't get the burn last night. I think that Kerr specifically decided that Clay couldn't handle it and decided to, uh, to keep him in there. But if it was up to you and you did think he could handle it, would you bench him? If he could handle it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you think that his play has his play dictated that he should be coming off the bench? No, I still think you let Clay run. I mean, Looney will start a game and then he'll go out in four minutes and, you know, and they'll start rotating players in. So maybe you could do that. I just think the distinction you made to me is, is the key part of all of it. Like people demanding that he go to the bench um is different than him having that self-realization so i agree with jay he doesn't have it yet but i, I don't think that means that he won't get there um i just think it, he's not going to get there if you push him if we push him there if he has that talk and i would add manu ginobili to that room just you know to drive it home sure. it's not yep. just contained to our team um i think he would he would get there but he has to get there on his own he's not good if you get if he gets there with Tim and other people pushing him and, and having that narrative, then he's going to fight it because he's Clay Thompson. But um, I, I still think the the success that this team has had in the starting five had, they were still the most efficient starting five last season. Does that mean that they they will be this season? No, but I don't think that means they go to the end of the league either. So something's just not clicking there and they need time to gel. 
Draymond was suspended for five games. Steph missed one or two with the injury. Like, you still got to give them time. And it's, you know, still the end of November. We haven't really gotten into the full season swing yet. So um, I think you give them time, and I don't think I'd make that move yet. Is it weird that whenever somebody mentions the name Manu Ginobili, the first thing that I picture is him swatting a bat? Like, none of the baskets he made, like, none of that other shit. Him going out there and hell of calmly taking down that bat that was in the arena. Um, Here, I'm going to give you some stats, Maxime, and then I want your answer here. Over the last five games, all right, here are Clay Thompson's averages. 19 points per game, four rebounds, and he's shooting 42% from three. So, I mean, we, we have all taken a lot of shots at Clay, but secretly, over the last five games, he has played pretty well. You know, I mean, he's actually been stepping up. 42% from three is, is not a small number. So finish out our analysis here. Would you bench him? I would. Well, okay, sorry. Let me back up a second. I don't know that that I, I think to MT's point, giving him a couple of minutes of run at the beginning, if that somehow soothes his ego, um, that's fine with me. We don't need to bench him. I think he deserves to have his name called when the lights go down um, and start the game. Totally cool. No problems there. The question is more about finishing games. And we had a conversation here and Steve Kerr has said, oh, I don't care who finishes. It's going to be matchup dependent. Then why the fuck did you pull Moody? I know we're going to get back to that later, but like, that's the thing that we're all talking about here is, is who's going to play when it really matters. And like, that's when Clay needed to be benched last night because sure, I don't have the stats in front of me either. Um, I, I'm curious how those stats break down quarter to quarter because Clay in those past five games was really fantastic in first halves and then kind of peters out a little bit, right? And we saw it last night when he needed to take a seat and allow the hot hand to continue with Moody and that didn't happen. So sure, when you look at the overall percentage, just 42% from three is fantastic, but what's happening in the fourth quarter when we really need him to be hitting those shots? I'm worried that he's getting a little bit tired. I mean, fuck you, Maxime. It's a miracle I had some stats, dude. You wanted me to break them down by quarter? I literally took the five games, added them, and divided by five. I I don't have any advanced shit here. Um. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jay, I was watching your Twitter timeline. You still call it that? X timeline? Whatever the fuck yeah. we're supposed to call it. All right. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, because I liked your response, uh, people are suggesting that they could not have taken out clay uh for moody because at the end it would have screwed over clay's confidence and it would have screwed up the confidence that the team had in clay but you specifically tweeted out no not with the game that moody was having explain that for me yeah um the you know people are saying uh that they're riding with the vets and even steve said he wanted to ride with the vets last night but you know uh, Steph, Draymond, you wouldn't have lost anybody if you might have lost Clay, but that's an issue that you got to take up with Clay because yep. it's supposed to be a team thing, not you know, not you know, you know, fluffing Clay's ego. You got to worry about the team, and I would highly doubt Steph, Draymond, Looney, Wiggins would have been like, dude, what the fuck? If yeah, you had right. a kept Moody in and taken 
and taking Clay out. And I'm not even convinced it had to be Clay. It could have been Looney. Yep. Looney wasn't doing great. He wasn't nope. he wasn't getting rebounds. Wiggins, like someone said, hey, Wiggins pouring. You got he had Steve said he had to guard Fox. Fox was blowing by everybody. It didn't really matter. So you should have kept Moody in there. They, look, I don't try to act like I'm smarter than Steve Kerr, but you know sometimes coaches overthink shit. This guy was the best player on the floor for the six minute stretch, and then you just take him out the game. It didn't make sense to many people, and you know Moody should have stayed in that game. And like, you know, I do think egos have been coddled too much. And now you're at this predicament where it's like you're coaching scared. You're coaching scared to piss people off. And, you know, that's that's a shame. You know, I it's like I'm not as emotionally invested with like some of these guys legacies as like yep. the fans are. So I think I can see it a little more black and white. I'm not saying that people don't have a right to their opinion or or that people are wrong. We're all entitled to our opinion and see things differently. But I just think that Clay's ego has been an issue for a while now. Like, I, I think Clay, like a really a selfless, self-aware person, would have even when Clay came back from the Achilles, would have been like, you know what? You guys are 18 and two. I'm just getting back. Let me work my way into things. Jordan Poole is playing like a literal all-star right now. No, Clay had to come back and be a glory hog, and they won the championship that season. So some of those issues were kind of swept under the rug, and they they became moot for the time being. But now two years later, when they're not as good and chemistry and it's great and they have less of a margin for error, those issues that started right when he came back aren't so much moot anymore. Right. I mean, your objectivity, let me start that over. Jay, you were handpicked for this episode. I love having you. I love having you all the time. You have an open mic here. But for these hard questions, you were fucking handpicked. And it's not just your intelligence or your knowledge of the team. It's that objectivity you're talking about. Because I do not have it. That talking about this is like talking about like one of my best friends. I mean, Clay has been in our life, not just on the floor, but because of his personality, it feels like off the floor too. And watching him suffer through this shit, I can't stand, man. I associate with the angst he goes through after every missed shot. You know I mean? I can feel it in my bones. And that's why we need somebody who's not experiencing it quite as personally, which leads to our next hard question. And you already kind of touched on it. It's this, is coach Steve Kerr still the best coach for this version of this team. Um, and again, some half-assed research for you. Just some <laughs> names that are out there. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, Doc Rivers, Mike Budenholzer. Um, I don't, there might be some other assistant coaches who are, who are there, but those are three fairly big names. You know, uh, Coach Buds has a title to his, uh, to his credit. So with those names in play and the concerns about Kerr, what do you think, man? Is Steve still the best guy for this job? Um, that's a good question. So I think Steve is a really good coach, but I think the true answer that to that question is seems like a cop out, but I genuinely believe it. It doesn't really matter what we think. What 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 matters is what Joe Lacob asked Steph Curry. Steph Curry's opinion is really the only one that matters. 
Like, that's also why I think it's gotten to this point. And I don't want to keep picking on Clay because I actually don't think he's had that bad of a season. And I don't think, uh, like, I think he was a way worse of a shot hunter last year, especially down the stretch. This year, I do think he's playing a little more within the offense and not forcing it as much. But when it comes back to Steph, he is so loyal. He is one of those guys who he does not, he's not comfortable like asserting himself in situations and be like, this needs to happen. LeBron, we like, fuck this. This ain't working. He'll go up. Steph's not going to do that. He's not. That's not his personality. You can tell that doesn't make him comfortable. Like Steve or Bob even joke, like, yeah, when we're watching NBA drafts, like I'll text Steph. When we're in the draft room, I'll text Steph and ask him what he thinks. Steph will give me what he thinks. Draymond will be standing right next to me telling me what he thinks. And Clay will be somewhere, hey, I'll see who's on the team when I get there. Like, Steph is not that type of guy. And But I think that might be have been a little bit to the detriment of this whole, this whole atmosphere in this whole situation. Because Steph, Steph could go to Joe Lacob or – Whoever he needs to go to, the appropriate look, man. You know, Steve's not changing up. Like, we we need a different philosophy. Like, LeBron would do that. Some of these other top guys would do that. That's not Steph. He's loyal, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes there's another spectrum to that. And it's the same thing with Clay. Like, some people will be like, dude, Clay, like, this isn't all about you. This isn't, like, we're trying to win a team championship. This isn't a, a quest to to become your prior self. And, you know, like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't think Clay would handle being benched well, but I also don't even think he should be benched right now because I'm not sure there's a better option. Like, you shouldn't risk maybe losing Clay to start Moses Moody. Like, Moses, while he's good and has some potential, he's not that good to potentially lose Clay. Now, if you had some young stud, like, I do think before Jordan Poole kind of went off the rails, I do think there was an argument to be had, like, Maybe Jordan should be starting, but I don't think there is another option on this team. So I wouldn't say that. And sorry, that's my long winded kind of answer to with Steve. I think he can coach these guys, but he just has to be a little harder and make tougher choices and have those uncomfortable conversations that I'm not sure he's had with everybody. Clay, including. Marcus, you see what kind of a fucking professional Jay is right there? That fool gave us an incredible non-answer. Went all the way around the black, asked Steph, basically, and nailed it. Hit it out of the fucking park. I also have not given any answers. Let me give you two. One, should they bench Clay? No. Um, I do think they need to be more flexible with who finishes games. Moody was the perfect example, which leads into the Steve Kerr thing. Do I have a lot of criticism of Kerr? Fuck yes, I do. Do I think he was partially to blame for last night? Absolutely. But the second they decided the this is the run it back tour this year, they also decided that Steve Kerr was the best version of of who could be coaching here. You don't want to bring in Doc Rivers or Mike or any of those other guys. You'd have to go through the learning curves of having a new coach in there. They don't have time for that. They needed to hit the ground running. Now, I also really like Jay's observation that, you know, if this is LeBron, it wouldn't just be change the coach. He'd go talk to Darvin Ham. You need to fuck around with these rotations. This is not working. You need to be more flexible. And if that's not Steph, fine. Um, but somebody needs to have that conversation with Kerr because there does need to be some more flexibility at the back end of the lineup, which leads to our last hard question. Maxine, why don't you start this one? 
has Draymond's emotional, let's call them outbursts, started to outweigh his on-court value? Yeah. Um, you, you start to you start to have concerns when you know when you see him not um performing. He, yeah, he's more harm than he is good. But um, it, it, I I did want to point out. Sorry, just to go back because I want to point out one more thing. Um, there are three expiring contracts that are really important um on this Warriors team right now. Right, that Clay Thompson is one of them, and I don't blame him for for wanting to be in the starting lineup because this is his last opportunity at a huge bag, right? And so if you get put on the bench, like it's just way harder to argue for your position. So I think that's really important. Chris Paul too, which could open up something like thirty million dollars, um, you know, and so that's something to keep in mind, especially when we have a new GM and Mike Dunleavy, who you know I think has been set up to have some of these hard questions with people. Um, and the third one is also Steve Kerr. Um, so I don't know if he's necessarily going to. Um, uh, be gone sure. at the end of this season, but I think it is something to keep an eye on because in the same vein that we're having these conversations about um, Clay Thompson and who's going to have those hard conversations with him, it seems as though Steve Kerr is not really capable of having those hard conversations with Draymond either. When he was uh, suspended or when he was kicked out of that game, um, Steve Kerr actually kind of went to bat for him, which is what he's supposed to do. You ask the question, is Kerr the best coach for this particular version of the team? Steve Kerr was the best version of the coach to get us four titles in the Steph Curry era, because I think he meshes perfectly with Steph Curry's um, laissez-faire attitude, right? Like they have the music going on in the practices. Everything is good because Steph is such an incredible leader in the way that he leads. But now we're seeing the other side of it. And I don't think that anybody is really capable of having the conversation with Draymond because they're not also having, they're not capable of having the conversation with Clay. And so that's leading to this thing where like you, you have Draymond say, well, you know, let Draymond be Draymond, right? Like the, you know, the dog's got to bite sometimes. It's what, it's what gives the team its heart. And that all works until the on-court production doesn't quite match some of the on-court antics. And when those, when that thing starts to tip, if you can't have the conversation with him, if you can't rein him in a little bit, um, it was his first game back, man. And I don't know if you guys saw, he had, you know, he got the T, and immediately TNT puts up Draymond ejected, as if that's almost the default, right? Like as soon as something happens, you know that he's going to get ejected. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I think the whole league is starting to see Draymond in a new light. He's kind of old too. So I hate to be harping on that point of age in both Claymont, Clay and Draymond's cases, but it's starting to be pretty concerning. I'm just happy that you rounded that into a Draymond response. I thought for sure you're going to screw me over the way that Jay <laughs> did, but you got there. Uh, and I mean, if you're asking, can they talk to Draymond to calm him down? I think the absolute unquestioned answer is fuck no. He punched a teammate, fractured, literally fractured the culture last year. And what they do, they gave him a hundred million dollar contract. If like, if Kylie, my daughter, you know, did something, uh, whatever, um, left a huge mess in my living room. And then I came out and gave her some ice cream. The next time I'm telling her, don't make a mess. She's going to immediately ignore that. Why the hell would she listen to me? You know? So they, I think they've lost their ability to talk to Draymond, but going back to the actual, just like what he is doing on the floor, the, the, the emotional fire he brings. And then some of the drama that emotional fire causes what you know which one weighs out jay what do you think it's definitely getting closer to becoming at least my perspective is getting closer and closer to becoming old like although yesterday tuesday's technical foul was really soft mm. in my opinion like all he did was mimic a carry unless he said something that we couldn't see that was a very, very quick technical for me. You could even see Steph looking at the ref like, dude, what did he yeah. do? Yeah. Um, but 
you just, you know, perception is reality. And like Draymond for as much as he does go over the top, he is also supposed to be one of those guys who is self-aware. Right. He he like prides himself on being self-aware. He he doesn't give a fuck, but he's self-aware. You know, <laughs> those are two different things. So you would think he would just just shut up, just like, yo, let me just chill. Let me at least give it five games before I really <laughs> give a ref a piece of my mind. Like the first game back, that's coming like, come on, bro. Come on. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I don't think it's too much from Dre yet. And I actually think Dre has been playing pretty good ball this season when he's actually available. Um, but man, your best ability is your availability. And if you're not available because of stuff that you can control there, mm. there is a point in time where enough is enough. And honestly, I, completely unrelated, but this is the reason why I think Bob Myers left because yeah. I just, this isn't any sourced information. This is just an educated guess based on talking to Bob myself, reading the tea leaves. I just think he does not, he, he didn't feel like having these tough conversations, yep. which is fine. Yep. Like, so he removed himself is actually more admirable yep. than to like tippy toe and walk on eggshells. He said, you know what? This shit is about to end. Yep. Clay Thompson is Clay Thompson needs a talking to. Draymond needs a talking to. Jordan Poole needs to get traded. I didn't sign up for all this shit. <laughs> I'm going to go talk on ESPN. Make make seven figures doing that. I, not. I, I think I I hate that you're saying this, but I also think you're right, and I'll I'll agree with you. Um, what was that movie? Marley and Me. Marley and Me is an old oh, school movie. Geez. Owen Wilson involves yep. the death of a dog. My wife wanted me to watch it, and I watched it under one condition. She told me before the dog started getting sick, so I could stop watching it then. I just watched the happy part. That's right. what it feels like Bob Myers' decision. You know, he's like, before anybody started getting sick, before this dynasty started going the wrong direction, he's like, fuck it, I'm out. And I, I kind of respect that he did that. Um, and going back to the Draymond thing, if you had to handpick a day where he was not going to get a technical, it'd be the day he came back from a five-game fucking suspension. You know, I mean, like, if, if I ever got a DUI, right, lost my license, if the first time you saw me after I got back the license, I was like, you know what, let's go grab some beers and I'll drive us home. But like, what are you talking about? You know, like, mm. like, slow, like, why? How about an Uber? Right? Yeah, exactly right. You just came back. How can you start to make the same mistake that you've just come back from? Um, which I, I, I thought I was going to feel better after this. Now I'm super angry again. <laughs> I don't know if he made the same mistake, though. I mean, to Jay's point, like Steph was doing the exact same motion. He, he didn't do it as demonstrably, but he did the exact same thing. It didn't look like he said any words. And they looked at Steph and looked at Draymond and gave Draymond a T for doing the exact same thing. What about it was the a super thing, surprising tech? I was very shocked. Yeah. But it's just like, it doesn't matter how. What matters is you got a technical. And it's like, come on, like, man, like, come on. Come on. And look, dude, I, I, I wasn't going to say these words, but I'll say them now. I think Malik Monk has the most hateable face in all of sports. I mean, I, I just, I was losing my mind last night. And even me, even and with that idea, when Draymond went and fouled him, you know, and then kind of punked the ref afterwards, yeah. he didn't get a tech in that interaction, but it led to the tech down the line. You're pushing it, man. You know, like for what? For what's your first fucking game back? The only right. person more surprised that that shot went in than all of us was Malik Monk. Though. I can't believe that shot so, went in. No, that was a that was a tough shot. He oh did. my god! 
It's an impossible shot. It was an that impossible was great shot. great defense by Wiggs, right? It was Wiggs guarding him? Yeah, oh, sure was. And forced him into like a one-handed fall-away bank shot from straight on. You don't take yeah. a bank shot from straight on. Final questions. Everybody give me your answer, all right? In, and as we sit here right now, after that loss, do you still view the Golden State Warriors as a title contender? And I, and I understand that we don't know CP3 status. Let's assume he, you know, it's, it's a two-week absence, and then he does come back. Um, I'll start. As currently constructed, no, I don't. I'm deep. I do. I think GP, I was looking up recovery time for calf muscle tears, and I saw six to eight weeks. Um, if it's longer than that, then no. Like, GP2 had moments. He only had six points, but they were huge. They felt like 20 points because of the time that it happened, and it would always thwart a little run. So I think if he comes back healthy and CP3 is healthy, I, I still think we're a championship team. We have the hardest strength of schedule, and we're only two games under 500. And all the talk about fire and Kerr when Pop was on the down run with with Duncan and Ginobili and Parker, he didn't get fired. So it's, it's the same thing here. I think Steve Kerr is a good coach. I don't think he's on the level of, of Pop, but I don't think you fire him because the players are getting old. GP2's loss. GP2 specializes in what I'll call demoralizing plays. You know, like you'll get like that offensive rebound that just gut punches the other team or steals an inbound. Like just those things that make those little differences, man. And so like losing that sucks. Um, I'll double down on what I said up front. On the worst loss in a 10-year regular season period, they still desperately should have won. And because of that, I think they still have the talent here to make a run, but they, they have to make some changes. Um, they've got to let some of the younger guys take a bigger step forward. They have to recognize that doing the same old thing with the same old people is not going to have the same old result. Um, so, yes, title contender, but changes need to be made. Maxime, what's your answer? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And at first, actually, I was going to agree with Jay because as presently constructed, I'm pretty nervous. But Draymond successfully defended a three-on-one play last night. Draymond still got Locked it. it. It's like unbelievable, right? When Gary Payton is leaping over dudes six inches taller than him to get the rebounds, all of the pieces are there. They just need to get put together in the right way. And I do think it comes down to playing our youth a little bit more often so that Chris Paul isn't pulling his hamstring so that all of the shit, you know, so that we have the legs that we need to have when it actually matters. This game, this team is still capable of being a 16 game team. I'm not so sure that the present construction, the way Kerr is running them is an 82 game team. And that's what we need to do to get to the playoffs. Jay, last question. Who the fuck was that European kid last night? And why the hell is he the best shooter that's ever played the game at any level anywhere? He's the guy that they brought in this summer, right? Who was like MVP of the Euro League or something? Yeah, yeah. he... And I'm not going to lie. Everything that left his hand looked good. So I was like, he's going to make that. I was like, hell a fast-ass release? That. Like, God damn it. Where the hell has that kid been? Yeah. Until Moody showed up and then hit him right, right, right back. I was like, "That's not uh, there." You go, Moses. Yeah. And then it, Kerr was uh, like, hey, "Hold on, Moody, get the fuck out." We like whatever you're doing. That's not working. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa! If you'd like to stay in this rotation, you better start missing shots, kid, because that's not what we are. Where are your turnovers? <laughs> Jay, we miss you. Um, it is phenomenal having you back. I know I'm not alone. And people who need or need far more Jay Dumas in their life, where do they go? Uh, Jay Dumas reports on Twitter and Cron4 News on weeknights at 6.45, 10.45, and 11.20. You can catch me there, Channel 4 in the Bay Area. 
Boom. You know where to reach us. If you want to get us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can send that to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We've actually changed our social media sites. It is now Fuck Malik Monk. Uh, and anywhere you want to go, you can find us there. And with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.